0: Well, I'd like to give you all a a very warm welcome to our Remembrance uh, Sunday service this morning. Uh, Glad you made the earlier time of our service. Uh, We meet as uh, a Christian service of worship, uh, but we do so wanting uh, with others across the land and beyond to pause and remember the immense sacrifice has been made in the many conflicts over the years and especially in the two world wars. Conflicts which have secured our peace but at uh, incalculable cost to lives and families through death, disablement, trauma and, and loss. In a moment we'll have a simple video that uh, will play the last post and will lead us into our two minute silence After which I will pray. Uh, During our service we'll have some hymns, a Bible reading, a short account of a World War II airman and then Mark will give us a message from the Bible. Things which will help us to respond rightly at this time. Uh, After the service refreshments will be served in the hall and you are very welcome to stay for this Um, If you feel the need to take young children out at any point, there is a video link and there is a creche available. Well, there are not so many times in our busy lives where we stop and pause during the day to think, remember and pray about this. This is a, a very worthy thing for us to do. We owe so much to so many. It is good to honour them and to give, God, give thanks to God for the peace that we now have. So please then do stand with me now as the video will soon begin. Lord we remember the words of Jesus greater love has no one than this and he lays down his life for his friends and we think of sacrifice this morning such tremendous sacrifice so big involving so many and we're humbled and we're thoughtful and we're thankful We think of so many futures cut short, so many families bereaved, so much damage done. And we're grateful for the dedication and duty and commitment of those involved. We feel for those families who feel still the pain of perhaps more recent conflicts and the effects on their loved ones. We're grateful for the peace we have. We pray that as we meet today, even in the midst of sad thoughts and memories, you will help us to look to you in faith and be encouraged in the Gospel. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to sing together our first hymn now, which is Our God, our help in ages past. So please do stand up again and we're going to sing through this hymn together. Well this year I've been uh, reading a book about uh, Louis Zamperini, Louis Zamperini and I wanted to say a little bit about him as a a reminder of the sufferings of war but also it fits in with the Christian message that we'll be thinking of this morning. Um, The book wasn't especially a Christian book, Uh, there's a film by the same name, it's called Unbroken. And Louis fought for the Allies in World War Two. Uh, he was a U.S. airman. He was uh, famous before the war, however, as an athlete in the Olympic Games in Berlin, Berlin in 1936. His final lap getting praise from Hitler. You may remember, however, uh, shamefully though, Hitler wasn't so keen to acknowledge. Louis' roommate, Jesse Owens, the black athlete who achieved four golds as a sprinter. Well, Louis wasn't able to compete in the next Olympics. As war broke out, instead, he joined the US Air Force. He was assigned to planes in the Pacific Ocean following the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbour. He had many close scrapes, including returning to base with a plane with over 700 bullet holes in it. Uh, one of the aircraft Zamparini flew was called the Green Hornet and on its return journey it developed engine trouble and plummeted into the ocean. All the aircrew in the plane, apart from three of them, died. So he knew what it was to suffer the anguish of colleagues being lost and the ongoing effects of that. Well, Louis and his two friends managed to get into one of the plane's life rafts. They endured a prolonged period floating west on the ocean, almost constantly surrounded by sharks. Amazingly, uh, two of the three of them survived and after 47 days, they sighted land. They were greeted, however, by a Japanese patrol boat. The Japanese were not famed for their gentleness and hospitality in the war, as you know. And Louis spent over two years experiencing unimaginable cruelty at the hands of Japanese prison officers. Many Allied servicemen died from starvation, disease and beating. A reminder today of another aspect of the suffering and loss of many lives as we remember today. Louis survived to the end of the Japanese war and returned home and despite some initial glamour and attention there were very many inner battles. Drinking got out of hand and his marriage was on the rocks. He had daily nightmares of his captors reminding us of some of the mental traumas which carry on and follow conflict. At that time, a young Christian preacher was speaking in the city of Los Angeles called Billy Graham. Louis' wife became a Christian through those events and despite his initial resistance, Louis also gave his life to Christ in faith and repentance. Life changed from then on his excessive drinking stopped. In this case, his nightmares amazingly stopped immediately too. He wanted to forgive his Japanese tormentors. He became a Christian speaker. In fact, in time, he went over to speak to a large group of the Japanese prison officers, now themselves in jail as war criminals at Sugamo Prison. Over 850 of them heard him speak from the Gospel. He spoke and referred to some of the verses that Mark's going to speak from in a moment. Despite going through so much suffering and anguish, uh, this is what he said in an interview in 2004. I'm a great believer and I believe it with all my heart that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. Christ told us in the scriptures, I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Christ is the way to God. I believe our eternal life starts now by faith in Jesus Christ. That is the strength we live by. And death no longer has a sting, not to the Christian. A shortened uh, summary of his remarkable life is written in this excellent series of uh, World War Counts. It's a Christian book called War and Grace. And uh, I will gladly get hold of you, a, a copy for you, if you would like to have one. So that's Louis Zamparini. Why should we join together? again and pray O lord we come to you the lord over the nations the sovereign lord the creator of the ends of the earth we worship you and bow before you in our hearts this morning a god of justice and a god of love We thank you we may take refuge in you, as our first hymn reminded us, the God who is always the same despite the ups and downs, the traumas, the tragedies. Lord, we come and give thanks for the peace we have in our nation, a peace that we have had on this island for so many decades. And we praise you for it remembering today some of the cost which achieved it. We thank you Lord for the peace that is possible with you through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace and for that wonderful theme of peace that we can remember on a day like this when we look back at events which were so unpeaceful. Lord we do pray for those involved with defence, for those in uh, armed forces, for those in government for those in other governments and pray that you might give them immense amount of wisdom to handle delicate situations well so that there may be peace we pray especially about the conflict in the Ukraine at the moment We feel sad at such devastating damage and loss. Lord, to what we can see of the situation, it seems as though there's been an unjust oppressor taking land. Uh, We're grateful for the pushback there seems to have been, but we're so sad at all the casualties that it brings. And we pray that those involved may act wisely may where necessary, be brought to their senses and there may be a just and peaceful outcome in that situation. Lord, we pray that you would help us to remember that this life is not the end. We pray that you would help us to remember the gospel of Christ and what he did. We thank you that that message is passed on here in the youth work and the children's work we thank you that it's passed on by many other churches and we pray that even today there will be a good reception to the news of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ we can thank you that we can hear from your word this morning we pray that as Mark speaks from these verses that you will bless us in our hearts and point us to Jesus so that this special day may be an even more special day as we are pointed to him. And we ask all this in his name. Amen. Well, we're going to have our Bible reading now, which Paul is going to read to us. So thank you, Paul, if you would come up and do our reading. Our
1: reading's taken from The uh, the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is on page 961 of our chapel Bibles, verses 1 to 9. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God.
0: Well, some of those verses were explained to those Japanese prison officers and we look forward to hearing uh, some of them explained to us in a moment. Well, just to say, we're in November. December follows on soon afterwards with its Christmas services and events. Um, One specific to mention, the ladies' holly wreath evening. um, It's full up on the Friday but there are 12 spaces left on Saturday the 3rd of December in the morning. So if you want one of those 12, do speak to Jane Hook. Of course, you're welcome to our Christmas services and you don't need to leave it till then. You're very welcome to anything here in between. Well, shall we sing together our second hymn, the well-known hymn, looking for the Lord's presence in our lives through sadness and even to the end. Abide with me. Fast falls the even tide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless. Oh, abide with me. <laughs>
2: It does us good, doesn't it, to stop and to remember the things that we've been remembering today. We live in such a fast-paced world, so much going on around us, so much to think about, so many decisions to make. It does us good to stop and to think in silence and to remember. World War I was called the Great War for a reason. It was the most deadly and destructive war up until that point. It's estimated that 8.5 million soldiers died as a result of their wounds or disease, and up to 13 million civilians died. And that's because of things like starvation, uh, coming across the enemy, uh, military encounters, disease, exposure, massacres. World War II, though, was even more deadly So in the UK, there were 450,700 military and civilian deaths. Worldwide, it's estimated that 15 million people died in battle, 25 million were wounded, and there were 45 million civilian deaths, although that's an estimate at best. It's hard for us, isn't it, to get our head around those sorts of numbers? They're just too vast for us it's difficult as well for us to imagine the sense of loss and pain and struggle that people felt during those times so many went through and both young and old gave their life for the country for this country so this is uh, john travers Cornwell, who's known as jack uh, he was 14 when he joined the Royal Navy, wasn't that, 14, Uh, that was at the outbreak of the First World War. When he was 16, he found himself serving on HMS Chester, and uh, in May 1916, he was involved in the Battle of Jutland, and he found himself on a gun, and uh, his comrades around him were being shot, and they were dying, and he stayed at his gun until the fighting had finished. And sadly, two days later, he died. And this is what his captain wrote to his mother. His devotion to duty was an example for us all. And his Victoria Cross was awarded just a few months later. Isn't that incredible? 16 years old. Some of you here are 16, right? 16. Well, this is Lieutenant Henry Weber. He was the opposite end of the scale. So he uh, he was born in 1849. He had already been working for 40 years before the war broke out. So he went to sign up, and he was 65, so they rejected him. Uh, but in 1916, the British Army needed more troops, so they started calling up people that they had previously rejected, and he got a call-up, and he joined South Lancashire Regiment as a temporary lieutenant. Just two months later, he was taking rations up, to his battalion in the Battle of the Somme and a shell fragment hit him in the head and he died of his wounds. And he was the oldest British uh, casualty in the Battle of the Somme and one of the very oldest casualties in the whole of World War I. Of course we know, don't we, that those in the, the trenches suffered. We know that those in the RAF suffered, those in the Royal Navy But it's also important to remember, I think, those who stayed at home. Life was unbelievably tough for those who stayed back home. Many of them had a profound sense of helplessness and loss. More than anything, the thing that they really dreaded was that knock at the door. That knock that would signify a telegram arriving with news of a loved one who had died. And in Vera Brittain's uh, memoirs, In world war one memoirs she calls it the testament of youth she writes this about when she received a telegram so it would have looked something like this she received a telegram about her younger brother edward the language isn't the easiest but hopefully you'll get a bit of a sense of it there came a sudden loud clattering at the front door knocker that always meant a telegram for a moment i thought that my legs would not carry me but they behaved quite normally as i got up and went to the door I knew what was in the telegram. I'd known for a week. But because the persistent hopefulness of the human heart refuses to allow intuitive certainty to persuade the reason of that which it knows, I opened and read it in a tearing anguish of suspense. Simply said, regret to inform you, Captain E.H. Britton, M.C., killed in action, Italy, June the 15th. It's good for us, isn't it, just to stop... And remember the sacrifice that these people made to give us the the freedom that we've got today. In the passage that we read uh, earlier in 1 Corinthians in the Bible, we saw that the Apostle Paul, he wants us to remember something. He too is also delivering a message. It's a message that he describes as of first importance. That means it's more important than anything else to listen to. That's what his message is about. And Paul's message is also about a death. But the reason I want to share this part of the Bible with you this morning is not because, or not just because of those similarities. It's because these verses, and particularly 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4, these verses are the very heart of what Christianity is. Christianity doesn't just remind us of the past. It speaks to the present. And it gives us hope for the future. And we need hope right now, don't we? Because don't you think we're reminded every single day that the world is broken? That it is so far from perfect? You know, we, we look back on days like this and we particularly remember the world wars. But the reality is, is that ever since those wars, there's been other wars, haven't there? So many soldiers have been killed in conflict since then and civilians. Wars have not been eradicated just because we modernise things. And that's been powerfully brought home this year, hasn't it? With the war in Ukraine, the devastation that that's caused. And there's so many other conflicts around the world that just never make it to the front pages of our newspapers. But it's not just war that reminds us that this world is broken, that it's far from perfect. You've got the war on crime, you've got the economic crisis, you've got corruption. Even, and this might seem a small thing, but those times at home when there's conflict in the family, or conflict with those who you live with, it might seem a minor thing, but it just shows again, doesn't it? It's not perfect. I've yet to meet anyone who's got a perfect life at home. Our world isn't right. So how do these verses that are at the heart of Christianity give us some sort of hope for an ending to all this? Because that's what we want, isn't it? An ending? Well, it centres around one man, three days and three events. And I doubt it that many of you will be mega surprised when I say that the man is Jesus Christ. That's the man we're looking at this morning. And it's Jesus' death that Paul's message is about. This is what Paul wants us to remember. Now one of the things I've noticed looking at war graves uh, and memorials is that often you see crosses there. There's one example. I walked past a Crobra Memorial late last night and um, there's a load of poppies there and they're all on these wooden crosses. And these crosses, they point back to Jesus' death. But Jesus' death is not sad. Jesus' death is not a tragedy like all those others are. It's actually good news. And I want to share with you, fairly briefly this morning, three reasons why Jesus' death is actually good news for us. This is the first one. You get it in the second half of verse 3. Christ died for our sins. So Jesus' death is good news because Jesus died for our sins. You see, the Bible teaches us that our biggest problem today is not war, and it's not illnesses, and it's not diseases or economic suffering or the list could go on the greatest problem the bible says is our sin and the consequences of it because every single one of us the bible says have broken god's laws every one of us has not lived up to god's standards and it's broken god's world you know this world with the wars in it with the death in it this world is a far cry from the world that god made and where he looked at it and said that is good It's nothing like that, is it? We know that. There's this barrier in place between us and between a good and a life-giving God. Between God and us. And yet God takes action. God doesn't want this barrier to remain between us. So what does he do? He sends his son jesus to bear the consequence of our sin so that anyone who believes in him can have their sins taken away and their relationship with god restored that's the heart of christianity it's about having our sins taken away it's about having our relationship with god restored it's a wonderful thing this is a good news jesus dies in our place he takes our place so that we can know god as our father It's a story of sacrifice. He sacrificed himself for us. He gave his life for us. And Paul says in verse 2, he says, remember this, because this is how we're saved. Sometimes you might hear about Christians talking about being saved. This is how we're saved, through Jesus' death. Now in the war, uh, and different wars, you often hear the hero stories, don't you? People saving others. Uh, by sacrificing themselves, soldiers dying for their friends. Just this morning, on the BBC News website, there was a, a video that came up. It's all on uh, the, the Memorial Day. And um, there was an older man saying that he's enjoyed 70 years of freedom because his mates lay in graves around the world. And he said this quote during the video. He said, I get emotional at poppy time, but you must always remember... Somebody gave their life so you can be what you are today. It's a powerful quote, isn't it? I get emotional at poppy time, but you must always remember, somebody gave their life so you can be what you are today. Jesus said this, John's already mentioned it, greater love has no man than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You know, Jesus is the ultimate example of this. Remember what we can be because of Jesus' sacrifice. We can be forgiven. We can be made right with God. That's the wonderful claims that the Bible makes. So that's reason number one for why Jesus' death is actually good news. Reason number two, Jesus' death is good news because it was all part of the plan. Now if you read the scriptures uh, or the, the gospels, Uh, the historical accounts of Jesus' death, you get the idea that evil people killed Jesus. And uh, it looks very much like everything that's happening is completely out of Jesus' control. That's kind of how it seems. But Jesus' death had been planned long before Jesus walked the earth. This is what it says in the second half of verse 3. It says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, basically just as the scriptures said he would. Jesus' disciples were shocked and sad at Jesus' death, but they shouldn't have been. The whole of the Old Testament has been pointing towards this. Even Jesus himself warned that he was going to be killed, but they just didn't understand it. This was God's rescue plan. This was his way to bring us back to him, and this shows us the heart of God. That God wants us back. He wants us to know him. That's the heart of the Christian message. God wants us to know him. This is Isaiah's prophecy. Just one example in the Old Testament that points forward to it. 700 years before this happened. Listen to how accurately it describes what happened to Jesus. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken Smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. Or we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So all those years before. We see Jesus is going to be the one that dies in our place. He's going to be the one that takes our sins. He's going to die for us, for all those who put their trust in him. Lastly, Jesus' death is good news because he has conquered death. He has conquered death. This week I was looking up uh, war graves. Um, Don't often do that, but I did this week. And there's several dotted around the UK. And uh, there's, there's many around the world. And I also saw on the news this week that they had a memorial service uh, for two servicemen. They couldn't identify them. They were from a long way back. They died years ago, and they, yet they treated them with respect. Well, Jesus, too, was buried. But in great contrast to the people that we remember today, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Verse 4, this is the final bit of Paul's message to them. He says, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus was raised to life. We've got an empty tomb. This is what we remember at Easter. And again, according to the scriptures, just as we said it was going to happen. And this transforms everything. You know, on a day like today, we honour and we are so thankful for the people who gave their lives for this country and yet there's a sense in which in the background there's such a sense of loss and the sense of finality about it, of lives cut short like Jack, he was only 16 but for Christians this news that Jesus conquered death transforms everything you see because Jesus rose he can give us life too. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying, I rose from the death, but I can give you life too. Jesus rising again transforms everything, it gives us hope. You know, Jesus says, if we simply trust in Him, if we simply trust in what He says, He will raise us up when we die, and He will make us and all things new. And you know, John again mentioned this, he's the Prince of Peace. You know, in his kingdom there will be no war. In his kingdom there will be no corruption, no evil, no injustice, no suffering. That's the hope that we have as Christians. And so we remember the past with great gratitude and great thankfulness. But we also look forward to the future with great hope and joy. And maybe you've got questions about some of this, about Jesus rising from the dead, about the possibility of us rising from the dead. If you've got any questions, do come and chat to us. We'd love to chat to you. Um, I know a lot of people often do have questions. Do come and chat. But above all, if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to put your trust in Jesus. This is where we find true hope, even on days like today. Jesus, who died, who was buried and who rose again. Well, we're going to sing, and then after that I'm going to pray to finish. So, thank you. believe there are biscuits and teas and coffee out in the hall, so do please join us. We'd love you to stay and chat. Let's pray to finish. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the servant King, Lord who gave your life for us, so that we too can know your life eternal life. Lord, that is a wonderful thing. And Lord I thank you that it gives us hope Lord that it gives us hope of an eternal future where there are no wars where death is no more. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to trust in you. Lord, maybe for the first time today, Lord, we thank you for who you are and for what you've done. And Lord, we pray that as we go away from this place, Lord, that you may bless us and keep us. In Jesus' name, amen.